All right, you may be seated there in the ark uh, and the true worth as well. Uh, first thing I want to ask you to do, if you have your Bibles and you have one, go to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. If you're in the sanctuary, you want a Bible, there's one right there in front of you in the pew. You can pull it out. If you're in the ark, you may raise your hand. If you don't have one, some will bring it to you. And if you're new, uh, this is not a ploy for us to rat you out, okay? I want you to know that. Uh, we're not asking you to raise your hand so we can put a spotlight on you. Uh, we just think the Bible is a way to really understand if you have it in your hands. Uh, we're going to put some stuff on the screen. Uh, we'll do some of that. But in your hands, we think it makes a difference. And so we, uh, and we encourage you to do that. Uh, if you are new, uh, I want to say welcome. I know there are many of you here uh, still kind of reeling uh, from uh, the death of Raven and just the impact of the faith of her dad and her mom. And uh, you're, you're welcome here. I just want you to know, some of you are looking for a church home. Uh, some of you have had your life turned upside down. You're looking for some stability. You're looking for something. You're just look you don't know, you know what you're looking for. Uh, you just know you need something. And you're here. And I want to read it. You're welcome here. Uh, and those that are in the, in the worshiping in the sanctuary in our extra seating, uh, I want to say thank you for gathering there. I want to encourage you to enjoy each other, engage fully. And I want you all to know the track or at the back who just kind of seem, you feel disconnected, uh, we are building a new worship space. We break ground on it at the late June and July. It's going to have a thousand seats. So we are making room for all of you. I just want you to know that, that we are doing that. And if you're watching online, uh, man, I just hope you have a sense of the worship here, uh, just like you are wherever you are, and uh, that, that God is moving in, in a mighty way. Uh, if you are new, I'd just love to meet you, okay? Uh, if you're here for the first time or a second time, third time, we've never met, uh, I'll be out in the crossing. Many will. We'd just love a chance to connect with you. Now, before we open up the Word, uh, I need to say something about last Wednesday. Uh, I just need to take a personal moment, and this is a personal moment. I don't mind telling you. Uh, last Wednesday... It, it's not a secret, uh, I would guess everybody would know, uh, that we hosted a celebration of life uh, for a little girl, and I want to call her Our Raven. Uh, some of you think she belongs to you, uh, you think she belongs to the world, but she's really our little raven because uh, she grew up in this church uh, all six and a half years of her life right here. Uh, she sat on this, right here at this platform many times with the kids right next to my side. Uh, she would show up here on Sunday mornings and dance and worship while her mom was getting ready to help lead us in worship later on. And uh, she would often come with her dad uh, when he was doing youth stuff on Wednesday nights. I mean, she just loved this little church. And, uh, so here, last Wednesday, uh, in case you're not aware, 1,700 people were in, in the building on Wednesday. The, the sanctuary where many of you are right now, uh, it was chairs all around the back, uh, standing room only, the crossing, the track was full, the crossing, people were standing. Uh, it, it was amazing. Um, the numbers I've received so far, I'm just kind of, I'm being conservative, that we had 9,000 people watching off of our website and over 21,000 on Facebook. Just think about one little life. touch so many people. God can take any tragedy in your life, if you will let him, and use it to bring honor to his name and to bless lots of other people. And that happened on Wednesday. And I got to tell you, as I step back here, 
uh, I find myself, uh, especially to those who call this your church home. My heart is so full of joy and so full of gratitude because I know there are many who took off work on Wednesday. Uh, there were many who rearranged their schedules, stopped everything they were doing, and you came up here and you hosted. Uh, you helped in the parking lot. Man, they were parked for blocks. Uh, you helped on the inside opening doors, helping people find their place, and you kind of took a back seat and gave your seat up to many other people. And I'm kind of in awe of that. And when I look back over the past six months, I'm asking God this question. Uh, God, why us? Uh, in the past six months, as I count them up, there have been four deaths of young people, 33, 35 and under, that were devastating to this community. Devastating. For some reason or another, God has chosen pathway to be his hands and feet and to help people when they're really, really hurting and broken. And man, you just continue to step up when the time comes. And I am so proud that you let me hang out with you. <laughs> uh, you are an amazing people. And I want to say thank you for your sacrifice and for your selfless service, uh, being the hands and feet of Jesus in a world that just needs a little hope. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, before we open the word uh, this morning, uh, we acknowledge again that you are a way maker. Uh, you are a miracle worker. You are a promise keeper. And we want to be like you. You are a good, good father. We want to imitate you. Uh, some of us had some okay dads, some okay moms. Uh, some had some great ones. But none of them measure up to you, God. And we find ourselves in a world where things happen so shockingly, so surprisingly, and we find ourselves reeling, looking for answers, looking for something to stand on. And God, there are some people who are here today not even sure if they believe in you. And their life is just kind of, they didn't lose a child, God, but some may have, but they've lost something, some sense of trust, some sense of, and they just need a word. So God, I ask you that you would speak to each of us, encourage us, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before we turn to the word, just kind of lay out the situation here. If you were to have a top 10 list of what followers most want out of their leaders, every single time honesty is going to be on that list. Uh, you get two people together and you ask them, hey, what do you want in a lifetime mate? Tell me, what are the characteristics of someone you want in your life forever? Uh, so eventually, honesty is going to get on that list. Uh, if you ask uh, citizens of any nation or any country what they want from their elected officials, <laughs> it's honesty, isn't it? Honesty is just at the bedrock of what you and I call character. 
And this weekend, we, we are going to get stronger in our character. Our character is a broad subject, but it's a very important subject. Uh, character includes things like discipline, endurance, uh, courage, uh, faithfulness, honor, especially in times of chaos, especially when things are falling apart. You're looking for people who have character that you can count on to lead. Isn't that true? And so this morning, we're going to focus on one aspect of character, and that is truth-telling. Uh, truth-telling is at the very heart and soul of someone that I'm going to say has strong character, has a godlike character. Uh, I don't mind telling you, uh, I'm getting older. Uh, it's probably pretty obvious. I'm, I'm going to be 65 in May. The wrinkles are coming fast and furious. <laughs> and the older that I get, I find myself having uh, less and less tolerance of spin, of people exaggerating and changing things from what is really true. From the little white lie that just changes things, but no big deal, right? Just a little bit. I mean, I, I, find, I find myself uh, having this radar that's just kind of beep, 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 beep. For any human being in my circle that I notice is on an image management thing. You know what I mean by image management? Where they're trying to impress you to make you think there's something they're really not. And they're hiding their fundamental identity because they don't want you to know the truth about who they are. I find myself, as I, as I get older, almost, I'm saying almost, almost, almost getting to a zero tolerance for this little thing we called white lies. Uh, because I, I have seen the damage in my office. I've sat down. I've seen the damage that this does to, to couples and to people. I've seen it. Uh, I've seen the trust that is lost. I've seen the hearts that have been crushed. Uh, I've seen the trust and the cynicism in a nation that has set in. Would you agree with me? A cynicism. Now, here's the irony of this. <laughs> I, I know I've told my fair share of little white lies, and I know I probably spun a story or two and exaggerated a little bit. I, that's the irony. I like all of us, right? We've all done a little bit of that. And I just think it's interesting if someone like me, who is a, a moral breaker in so many ways in my life, has this growing disdain for deceit and spin and, and all that sort of thing, how much more so our God, who has only ever told the truth. If you and I, if us here in this room, who are at True Worth online in the sanctuary, up on the track, any of us here in this room, if, you, if any of us here had this, this just, just can't stand the spin, uh, the storytelling, the exaggerating, the embellishment, and kind of, no, it's really not true sort of stuff, and making it true, if it bothers us, how much more the one who has always only ever told the truth? How much more so the one who has only proclaimed the truth? Ever. From eternity past to this very second right here for every breath that you and I now take in. I mean, just imagine uh, the dissonance 
uh, the discord for every dose of deceit that comes out of our mouth in the heart of the one who's never told a lie. That is God himself. Now this morning we're going to be in Acts chapter 5 and we're going to read about a story uh, that kind of sobering if you never read this story before. And it's really kind of sobering uh, when you read it about this subject matter. And but to really understand Acts chapter 5, I've got to go backwards to Acts chapter 2. So I'm just going to kind of do a little catch up here. In Acts chapter 2, that is the birthday of the church. That is the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 where God just kind of breathes out the Holy Spirit and the church is born. And it says there that when you read it, 3,000 new believers on that day came into the church. And then it says the days after, thousands and thousands and thousands keep coming in. And when you read Acts chapter 2, down at the very end of the last few verses of Acts chapter 2, it says all of these baby Christians, uh, they started reading, staying in God's Word. They just had a hunger for God's Word. It says that they started gathering together regularly with other believers. They wanted to be together with them often. It says that they took seriously the sacrament of communion. They had fellowship and had communion together. And when you keep on reading that text, you're going to see that these people paid, prayed bold prayers. I mean, not namby-pamby, wimpy, sort of hoping sort of prayers. Uh, they prayed bold prayers. And go read the text. It said God answered with supernatural power. God performed signs and wonders as a result of their prayer. And when you keep reading the text, uh, you're going to see there were some rich people in that church. There were some folks who were pretty successful, and they loved the poor. And they so loved the poor that they would gave to them generously. Uh, you read the text, you're going to see that in, in that particular first church, all the division, social, culture, ethnic, color, and they just were all gone. They were dissolved. They were just all one people. And boy, did they love to worship. They would worship, and man, just their worship flowed to heaven freely, no inhibition, no holding back, just with joy. And when you go back and read that end of Acts chapter 2, that church had everything going its way. It was perfect until a married man and woman told a little bitty tiny white lie to some church leaders. Now, I wonder if any of you automatically, you know exactly the story where I'm going to. Some of you probably do, some of you don't. For the sake of those who don't, at the very end of Acts chapter 4, in this little church, there's a man named Barnabas. And Barnabas has a big heart for the poor. And he sees all these poor people pouring into the church. He goes, man, uh, they can't even eat. So he was a successful businessman. He goes and sells a piece of property that he was not using, put it out on the open market, has a big profit off it. He takes the whole sale, all the proceeds, and he comes and gives it to the church leaders. He says, hey, I would like you to take this, take care of the poor. I mean, so generous, pretty incredible. It's kind of like your birthday gift to Jesus. If you call this your church home, you know that's what happens at Christmas. You bring your birthday gift to Jesus, and it goes just to minister to people from all over the world who just need a little encouragement, a little help. And that was the case. Now, news of this generosity spread everywhere. 
And there was a guy there, a man and a wife, who heard about it. And you see at the beginning of chapter 5, now we're in chapter 5, you're following along in your Bible. At the beginning of chapter 5, there's this married couple. And they too, Ananias and Sapphira, they also uh, have a heart for the poor. Uh, they also uh, have been successful in business. They also have a piece of property that they weren't using. And so they also decide to sell it. But unlike Barnabas, they decide to skim a little off the top, put it into their own savings account, but then give the rest under the pretense they were given the wholesale like Barnabas did. Time out. Think about that. I mean, what's the big deal, right? I mean, really, what, what's the big deal? Uh, they're being generous. I mean, really generous. Being really sacrificial. The poor being helped. No, no harm, no foul. Nobody's being hurt, right? Just a little bitty little. The apostle Peter is all part of this church, and he sniffs out uh, that little bit of deceit. And you see here in your text, over here in Acts chapter 5, that he confronts uh, this married couple. He goes to Ananias first. And down at the very end of verse 4, the very last sentence, there's four sentences, I think, there in verse 4. He goes to Ananias, and he says, hey, Ananias, uh, you have not lied just to human beings. You have lied to God. You see that? He, he's saying, hey, you know, sometimes you think when you're in a relationship with your friends, and you're doing your little social media stuff, and you're in the business thing, or you're a salesman, and you're making the pitch, and you think you're just kind of changing it a little bit, and it's no big deal, and it's just kind of, uh, you're not lying this way, you're lying this way. It matters to God. And then notice what happens next. Boom! He's dead. I mean, he's just gone. And when you read this, there's, it doesn't give any open for interpretation that he had a heart attack or had been having heart problems for a long time, or maybe he was in hospice or he choked on a potato chip. Uh, the implication is uh, God said, you're done. Boop. And some of you are going, yikes. Whoa. Now, he goes on here, uh, hours later, Ananias' wife uh, Sapphira, uh, she comes back to the church. Maybe she's going to meet Ananias so they can go out on a date or something, but he's not going to meet up. Uh, he's not there. And then Apostle Peter, he comes across Sapphira, maybe walking down the hallway, says, hey, uh, Sapphira, hey, listen, um, I mean, let me ask you, man, that was an awesome gift you and your husband gave. It was awesome. I just want to ask you, um, are you sure, was that really the total proceeds of the sale of the property? And we're told right here, she says here in verse 8 at the end, oh, yes, that is the price, the whole price. We've got to keep our story straight with my husband, right? Yeah, that's the whole price. And Peter said, hey, listen, Sapphira, listen, be quiet. Shh, shh, shh. Can you hear those footsteps? Look at verse 9. Can you hear those? Yeah, I hear the footsteps. Those are the footsteps of the men who just got finished burying your husband for telling the very same lie you just told. Bam! She's gone. I mean, just... And then the whole story ends in verse 11. It just, and it's just, the story ends. It says, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. 
do you think? <laughs> I mean, I see so many right now going, oh, Murphy, all right? I mean, and, and what sort of fear sees the church? It was a fear of any little spin, any little deceit, any little distortion, any little thing that just might not be 100% true. I mean, I, I can picture all the families gathering together that night, right? They got all the kids around the table. Say, listen, kids, uh, be careful of what you're posting on that social media stuff. <laughs> Make sure it's true. I can see all the small groups meeting. Man, did you hear what happened at church last week? Yeah. God's kind of sensitive. <laughs> He takes it kind of personal, all that stuff that, yeah. Now, with the time we have left, what I want to do is that I want to help us get stronger in our truth-telling, okay, to try to root out, to help us kind of root out anything in our life, any sort of deceit, any little kind of little exaggeration, little white lies that can just help us get stronger in our characters. Everybody up for that? Everybody good for that? Are you excited about it? Don't lie. Don't lie. I'm not doing on CPR on anybody, okay? Uh, no lying. So, three things in your message notes. I need to do this as quickly as I can, so please work with me. I will get stronger in truth-telling. Number one, I think, this is the most important one, when I understand God's disdain for deceit. Lots of Ds today. It just works for me. God's disdain for deceit. When I understand the extent that our truth-telling God how much it bothers him. Now, a little example. Uh, back here in this corner, how, how many of you remember there used to be a baby grand piano in this corner? Anybody in the house or even in the track or back? So there's a few people. But some of you don't know, there used to be a baby grand piano in this corner. And that baby grand piano, I love this baby. I just love the piano. I love the textures and the sounds and the tones of the baby grand piano. But this piano right here that was used to be in this corner, I had kind of a special connection with that piano. And the reason being, it was given a memorial of this young man right here. Uh, this young man's name is Christopher Secrets. Uh, Christopher Secrets, uh, 23 years of age, uh, when he was hit by a head-on driver from the other lane who was over-medicated, killed him just like that. Uh, Chris's mother... Sherry uh, was in the band at that time. This is many years ago. In fact, she was kind of the heart beginning founder of our church band. And Chris was growing up in this church, and he was a youth leader. He was an up and came, just loved God. He was just an incredible disciple of Christ, and boom, he was gone. Uh, on the weekend that he was killed, the weekend before he was killed, uh, she couldn't play the piano. Uh, there was a young lady named Tanner who played in her spot for the first time. Uh, Sherry became Tanner's mentor. Kind of took her and kind of taught her the ropes of, and when Sherry retired from playing, uh, Tanner just slipped into that role. And today, 
last Wednesday, uh, our little raven that many of us here, we call our little raven, our little raven, our little raven. Uh, now we have two folks who have played these keyboards who, uh, isn't it amazing what God can do? And God's working behind the scene to take care of you. And what I want some of you to hear, that both Shane and Tanner, years ago, they made a decision. They were going to be grounded in a church family, not knowing what was to come. And when it came, they were just loved, loved, loved. A decision made years ago. Now, here's the point about God's disdain for deceit. Uh, so this piano back here means all, this keyboard meant a whole lot to me. Uh, connects me to Sherry, connects me to Tanner because she would play it. And then Chris Bohan, our, our wonderful, uh, one of our pastors on staff and teaches up here sometime, he came to me and said, Rick, how would you feel about us moving that piano to someplace else in the building? I said, I wouldn't feel good about it at all. <laughs> I love that piano. I mean, that, I love the sound of the piano. That, that piano has very, why would we even think about moving that piano? He said, well, you know, what, what you may not realize is because of the changing temperature in the ark, it's always out of tune. And we've got to tune it often. And every time we tune it, it's $200 a pop to my budget. And I said, well, Chris, why, why do we have to tune it so often? I promise you, the church people, they don't know it's out of tune. <laughs> No, I mean, just leave the piano, dude. And he said, no. <laughs> he said, it's, it's just not right. Every, it bothers me, and every time I hear it, I just go, <laughs> uh, The piano's gone. <laughs> it's out in the crossing. It's in the crossing, but you hear it and see it sometimes, but it's out in the crossing. And here's the point of the whole thing. You and I, every day, you wake up, turn on the news. You open up your social media feed. You go to a coffee shop, and you hear all this deceit, all the spin, all the lies, all the little storytelling, and sometimes you participate in it. And then when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, a serious follower of Jesus Christ, you get the Holy Spirit in you. And when you get the Holy Spirit, one of the first things the Holy Spirit wants is to root out all that deceit, that spin, that exaggeration, and that lying, that little white lie stuff out of you. To convict you, stop the spin telling. Stop the little white lies in your relationship. Stop it. And you start working on that, and pretty soon with the Holy Spirit's help, you're really going pretty strong, and you're walking in higher levels of honesty, and then all of a sudden you start comparing yourself uh, to politicians and to famous people and to the media, and you start thinking, well, you know, I'm not really that bad. And you kind of stop rooting out, and you still got 5 to 10% in your conversations and in your marriage and in your parenting, just about 10%, 5% of distortion. It's not really, and here's the point. I want you to think of God as having a perfect pitch. And anything that comes out of your mouth that's not in perfect tune with the truth 
God goes, because it's just not In all your relationships, marriage, parenting, business, friendships, the truth matters. And when that is broken, trust is broken, and John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the what? Truth. That is a reminder to all of us, God cannot ever, ever say anything but the truth. And when nothing but truth and love comes out of our mouth, he goes, eh, he gags. And that makes me want to be stronger in truth because I am in his image. Secondly, I fully grasp, I'll get stronger in truth when I fully grasp the damage a lie can do or distortion or whatever. I mean, you've all been lied to, right? I mean, every single one in this room you've been lied to. I want you to think how it felt when you found out somebody really lied to you. Uh, think of the damage, think of the trust. Uh, years ago, I had an experience, a church experience. I'm in this small group. Uh, with some college guys. They invited me in. I thought, wow, okay, college guys, kind of impressive. Uh, they would want me, really? And so I said, okay, and I joined the group, and I thought it was kind of kind of cool. I'm, I'm a baby Christian. I only been a little, about 16 uh, when I gave my life to Christ, so I'm 17 now. I've been doing some stuff in a kind of a college activity, met some kids, they invited me in. And so I'm in the group, and it wasn't just a Bible study. It was self-disclosure sort of thing, like in Acts chapter 2, where you share stuff. You know what I'm talking about? You really share stuff and stuff in your life, and people speak into it, and you trust them with your private secrets, and, you, and they pray for you and encourage you. Man, I wanted that. And so I said, I'm in. And so I start going to this thing, and I had a little issue pop up in my life I needed some help with. Anybody besides me you ever have an issue pop up in your life where you kind of think, ah, you know, I need a little help. I need, I need a little help. And so I stayed after group when all the other guys had left and found our leader and said, listen, I got this little temptation. Anybody besides me have a little temptation sometime that kind of creeps up in your life? You go, Ugh. And so I had this little temptation. I said, and I told him what it was. And I said, I'm not giving into it yet, but I'm afraid I'm going to. I'm struggling. I just need you to know about it and give me a little insight and pray with me. And he did. And I felt strong. When we were done. I said, hey, listen, I want to make sure. Hey, this was confidential, right? This was just between you and me. He said, oh, yeah. It's 100% confidential. I come back to the group next week, and I notice if things feel a little different. I'm going, man, this is a bad vibe. How could things change in just six or seven days? I mean, it's so different. And I walked in. Sure enough, it was different because they started, hey, we're going to change our study tonight. And they started opening the Bible to pasting the scripture about excommunication, church discipline. Go to another passage about rebuking and admonishing hypocrites. And I started thinking, hold it. Where's this going? No, yes. <laughs> no, they t he told everybody what I told him. 
He, he told them, and now they're about to toss me out. They're going to rebuke me and admonish me and toss me out of the group. And that's exactly what was happening. They keep going down that path, and finally I got to a point, I just closed my Bible and picked up my stuff and said, guys, I'm going. I'm out of here. I cannot believe you told me you wouldn't tell anyone. You promised. He said, Rick, they had to know. Uh, what you were facing, they needed to know that if it was okay for you to stay in the group and that they, they just had the right to know. I said, no, they didn't. And I left. When I got in my car, man, all these thoughts come into my head. First thought is, I don't know that I'm ever going to trust anybody again with something that's so personal in my life. I mean, I mean, my gosh, now it's out there and somebody's putting it out there? Really? Secondly, am I going to trust a church leader? This was a leader in the church. Really? Third, I don't know if I ever want to go to a Bible study ever again in my life. <laughs> Those things are dangerous. And fourthly, do I really want to be around church people? If that's the way church people are? That guy had no idea the damage that was done to my baby Christian soul. No idea. He had no idea how long it took me to get over of really trusting people with stuff. And I just, I just made a promise. I'm not going to do that. So, some of you know that pain, right? When I was doing this this past week, all that pain came back. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Someone made a promise to you, I will never, ever, ever, ever cheat on you. I will never leave you. And they lied. Somebody told you, hey, listen, you can trust me with the books. I will take care of the money. I, will, I got the money. You don't need to worry about the money. You just take care of this. I'll take care of the books. And oh, they take care of the books, all right. You found out later on they have screwed you out of lots of money and left you hanging dry. Uh, somebody borrowed some money from you, right? A family. Hey, listen, uh, would you just loan me a family? Could you loan me some money? I'll pay you back in six months, right? Four years later, ten years later. And then somebody tells you on Facebook, hey, listen, you just need to know, you, you got to go check it out. Somebody's been saying stuff about you, and it's not true. We all know how it feels, don't we? And it feels terrible. Every single time, it's awful. It and here's my ask of you. Here's my ask. When this ever happens to you again, if it ever happens to you, I know it has. Instead of paying them back, you have an unshakable resolve. I will never cause that sort of pain to another human being because I know what it feels like. And I'm never going to inflict on them what I experience. Because if you're a serious follower of Jesus Christ who turned the other cheek, who said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Why would you ever want to intentionally and willfully embarrass or cause that sort of pain on any other one, anybody? Why? Why? And so, man, when I think about that, 
Uh, I just made a, con I made a commitment. I will never, ever break a confidence. I will go to my grave with stuff that people tell me, and no one will ever even know I met with them. And to this day, God, I hope I have never violated. I don't think I have. Uh, and it's not that I'm a great guy. I'm not that great a guy. I will tell you, people who know me will know I'm not that great a guy. I just know what it feels like. And I don't want anybody else to feel that way. Here's the final thing. The last one. I choose today to end all forms of deceit. If I'm going to get stronger in truth-telling, i got to choose today. Today it ends. You ask any recovering alcoholic, they will tell you, this is the day I stop lying to myself and to my family. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, you ask any recovering gambler, they will say, Today, this is the day I'm stopping lying to myself. Okay, I'm not playing the slots anymore. This is the day I'm done gambling. Uh, you ask anybody who has a weight problem, who has a chronic weight problem, and they got past it, uh, they can tell you, hey, man, this is the day. I decided I'm getting disciplined, I'm getting focused, and from this day forward, you, hey, every single significant character change in your life comes from a decision you make on a certain day, it's changing now. Enough is enough. This is not happening anymore. My past is behind me. I'm carving out a new future, a God-honoring future in this area of my life. What would it be like if today, everybody who can hear my voice, whether you can see me or hear me, whatever, wherever you are in the world or wherever, that we all decided today's the day. I'm going to be a truth teller in love just like Jesus did. Here's, write this down for some of you. I want you to write this down if you're getting serious about this. God, today, I commit to verbal precision. Here, I'm going to repeat it. God, today, I commit to verbal precision. If you're someone who's struggling with accuracy and the things that come out of your mouth, Write that down at the end of, for the next six weeks. Just include that in your prayer life. Today, God, I commit myself to verbal precision. Um, if I'm calling my spouse and I know I'm on the way home, if I know it's going to take me 30 minutes, I'm not going to say I'll see you in 15. You know who you are. <laughs> I'm not going to say the check's in the mail. If it's on my desk. Payments in process if I've not pushed send. I commit to verbal precision. Now, we're going to do something here in the ark, in the sanctuary, up on the stairs. True words, I want to invite you to stand. If you're driving, keep sitting. Everybody else stand. <laughs> Everybody stand, please. And this is how we're going to wrap up. Well, if you're online, you can stand. We're going to stand. We're going to put a pledge on the screen, a pledge of truthfulness. And this is how we're going to end this service time. And I'm going to read it. And if you want to, you don't have to say this between you and God, not for your neighbor. This is between you and God. If you're going to draw a line in the sand, today's the day. I'll make a decision. And notice the first part. It says, since I serve a God who always only ever tells the truth. I love that part. I don't know about you, but I love that. Because you know what that means? When God says, I love you, it's the truth. It's not because God's having a little 
touchy-feely day. You know, you know how we have a touchy-feely day. One day is, oh, I love you, I love you. And the next day, I can't stand you. Oh, you can just trust. God really loves you. He's not going to put any shine or change it. He really does. And if God says to you, and he does, hey, listen, you have fallen short of my standard of holiness. You've fallen short. Uh, I don't say this for judgment. I'm just telling you the truth. He's not going to cover up the truth. It's the truth. And he says, you can't fix it. So I'm going to. I'm going to send my son Jesus into the world. He's going to die upon the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. It's the truth. And if you decide to receive him into your life, uh, you will experience his grace and forgiveness and mercy like you've never done before, and all your sins are gone. It's the truth. It's the truth. And when you die, He'll receive you into heaven. It's the truth. But you got to decide, is it the truth? In that next part, from this day forward, with his help, I can't do it by myself, but his help, because he always tells me the truth. I pledge to become a person who always only ever tells the truth. So if you can say that with integrity, it is true. Uh, say it with me, if you would. Since I serve a God who always only tells the truth, from this day forward with his help, I pledge to become a person who always, only, ever tells the truth. Let us pledge all together that we serve a God who's a way maker, a miracle worker, and a promise keeper. Let's declare that right now here, True Worth, online. Come on. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the Promise keep, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You're way maker, miracle worker, promise keep, light in the 
God, we want to be like you, full of grace and full of truth. And so, God, when our words are out of tune, and when our lives have a little dissonance, you know, a little disharmony uh, with you, uh, just give us the help, and we'll align ourselves with you because we want to be like you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.